This time on the Magic Kitchen Podcast, we're talking about the different aspects of the goddess. I'm Leander Witchwood. And I'm Elise Wells. And welcome to the Magic Kitchen Podcast, where we talk about magic, kitchen witchcraft, herbs, and everything in between. the witch can feel kind of isolating sometimes. So I wanted to invite you to my Patreon community where I'm sharing resources for every full and new moon, every Sabbath, and weekly journal prompts that are going to invite you back to your path and into a community that is here to support you. You can join at multiple different tiers, including one that includes access to the Magic Kitchen Pantry with both me and Leandra. Hope to see you over there. Before we get started on our episode discussing the various aspects of the goddess, I want to remind everyone that I have a workshop coming up December 13th, where I kick off a workshop series on the Divine Feminine, and we are starting with the Primordial Goddess. And we're also going to be talking more about the aspects of the goddess in this week's Magic Kitchen Pantry Table Talk. And those happen on Wednesdays, and they're currently happening at 11 a.m. EST. But if you join and you're not sure if you'll be able to join at that time, just let us know. We're happy to change up the time and vote on a better time. I lo- Yeah, and I love that, that they're bonus episodes for our listeners. So it's a really good benefit to get into the nitty gritty of the topics. And when you join, if you're, if you're having trouble joining on Circle, I know some people don't have computers and Circle can be a little challenging on the phone. You can join without putting any payment information or anything into Circle when you join through my Patreon community. And that it's the same price. So there's no change there or issues there, but it's it's easier on phones. And the other thing, the last thing I wanted to update you guys on is this past Wednesday, I had a workshop on the Hindu and Eastern influences in witchcraft. So if you heal your chakras, work with kundalini energy, do yoga, meditate, believe in reincarnation or animism, these are all beliefs that come from Hinduism, which is a really, really broad overarching word for Eastern influence religions. So if you want to learn more about that, stay tuned, join my newsletter because I'm going to announce a way that you can get the recording of this workshop since it's already passed. And if you're interested in it, I've actually might do another one in the new year. I think a lot of people, I had a lot of people that said they were interested, but couldn't attend in December. So there you go. So stay tuned because it's a really broad topic and we've got some things brewing with more, more of my India influences. Yeah. It was a really fascinating thing. I realized when I was in India and I was like, I don't think witches realize how much what they're doing is influenced (laughs) (laughs) by the East. So (laughs) So we've got some episodes brewing for the new year on this topic as well.
Welcome, everybody. And this time on the podcast, we decided we were going to go a little deeper into the goddess and some divine feminine work. So we're going to talk about the different faces or aspects of the goddess that may or may not be typical in your research and when you come to get to know the goddess for your practice. So typically we think of the maiden mother crone, the three aspects, the the triple moon of the goddess. And that's a lot of how um, she's represented. Uh, I don't follow this. I have many more aspects that I attribute to her. So maybe Elise, can you talk a little bit more about that? Do you, how do you feel about that? Do you follow more of a maiden mother crone or do you assign more to her? So in my first beginnings, I was drawn to the crone. And actually, one of my patrons was messaging me about this because she's around my age, but she felt the same way. Like the crone is who called to her, like maiden felt kind of lost. And I think when it comes to our spiritual path, we want to see ourselves in our deities and we want to see our deities in ourselves. Like it's kind of a reciprocal relationship. We want to feel represented by what we're working with, but we also want to aspire to something more. And I think when we look at these faces, it's giving us an opportunity to find the missing pieces of ourselves. I kind of work with these as, as thirds of myself. One way to look at it is we go through these phases in our life, right? We're young, then we're middling age, and then we're old. But I kind of look at it as, you know, the maiden is adventure and independence and freedom and self-expression and fearlessness. And then the mother is nurturing, nourishing. You know, that might be the part of you that enjoys cooking a meal for your friends and family. Mother can make us, for some of us, you know, I don't have children. I don't necessarily want children. So sometimes the mother is hard for me to connect to. When I was a teacher, I, I tried to call on the mother energy and had mixed results because I was really trying to like pigeonhole what that really means. When I, now, when I think of the mother, I've learned it's, it's more than that. You know, it's nurturing, it's, it's taking good care of yourself. The relationship with ourself is the most important one we'll ever have. It's fostering that. And it's also the part of us that reminds us to, you know, take breaks and be productive in turns. Like it's the balancing part of us, you know, there's always like the, the nagging mom, which I hate, I hate the term nagging. I actually think it's made up and and sexist and it actually doesn't exist, but like the mother that tells us, Hey, you got to do this thing or, Hey, don't forget to do that. Hey, eat your vegetables. Like that can actually be quite a positive force in our inner voice. Somebody who keeps us steady. And then the crone is almost like the inverted maiden. It's the part of us that finds joy in solitude in quiet things, the part of us that can be still and patient and listen to the crickets in the summertime. There's a lot of depth to each of these faces and you'll keep finding new things to them. And we're going to talk in depth about different cultural faces of them. But really what we learn when we start delving into them is that we can actually take from each of these at all times in our lives. And the most valuable part that it has for us is to break down the linear thinking. When we think of old age in a societal way, 
that might tell us it's time to stop or it's time to recede into the background. Let, let the young people have fun. Fun isn't for you anymore. And that is not true. You can have wisdom and still have fun. I I believe that. Yeah, very absolutely. Well, and I think what happens is when we try to pigeonhole the goddess, we really lose who she really is. Yeah. And so so in in your tradition, the three faces might be more pr- predominant. In mine, we I go off of five faces or five aspects, which is the maiden mother crone, but then there's the dark goddess and then the whole goddess. Mm. And so when we get past the maiden mother crone, where you know maiden is this, mother is that, crone is this, you mm-hmm. know, um, it's there's there's an aspect there, the dark goddess, where she is not just everything. She's also nothing, but she's the one that's going to make you think of the hard things. So you're talking about like the nagging style of the mother. Mm-hmm. Like maybe that's where that comes from. She is the one who's going to remind you that you're not taking care of yourself. Mm-hmm. She's the one that's going to remind love. you that you should. Yeah, the tough love. She's going to remind you that you're making mistakes and those mistakes are going to bite you in your butt. And <laughs> you should probably listen to her. She's the, you know, she's wise like the crone, but beyond wisdom. Like she can see more than the other aspects can. And then there's the whole goddess who is fluid between all of these. She is all of them. And she really is able to see the big picture. She is multifaceted. And which is where I think most goddesses really reside, not just in, oh, I'm only a maiden goddess. I'm only Mm -hmm. a spring goddess. I'm only a winter goddess or whatever. From my experience and my research, it seems like goddesses are so much more faceted than that. And going back to patriarchal lineage that we're trying to, to distance ourselves from the decolonization of our path, when we really start digging into what the goddesses were to people instead of just these characters that played a story and played a role when we start to like de you know deconstruct and unpack what patriarchy told us the goddesses were we realize that there's so so much more there that they were not just horse goddesses or they weren't just you know fertility and sex and beauty they were so much more they could be beauty and motherly but they could also be that warrior yeah and they could be everything that you know we tried to put them in these little boxes that they don't belong in yeah and i think that's the strength of the relationship we can have is that they right in turn remind us that that's Mm -hmm. that's the power we can have you can be a mother and still enjoy you know traditional maiden activities going out having fun seeing new experiences, going to new places. There's no limit to the, the the faces we can have. And so we can't expect there to be a limit to the faces the goddess can have. And that is going to change too, based on the personal relationship. Um, we have another episode coming out next month about deepening and developing these relationships with the goddess. Um, but just to think through that vein, we have so much to learn that, you know, we're going to only be shown what we can work with at that time. So sometimes I think that's why we go through these phases. It's because we can't handle all three at once, but you also might find yourself fluctuating through them and seeing those different faces with, with each goddess that you're working with. 
Absolutely. You know, we we're not, you know, two dimensional. So why do we expect our deities to be two dimensional? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So from the the five phases that five faces that I have kind of developed for my own practice, I've gone on to deepen my divine studies, my divine feminine studies. And I've discovered like there's so many more. So if you are a Buddhist witch or you have studied any kind of Buddhism, you'll know the 21 forms of Tara. So there's one aspect of a goddess that is extremely diverse. Um, then, of course, there's the six faces of the goddess, which let me go into those a little bit because I think these are really interesting. And I think they help us like spread our roots a little bit to really see the goddess as a bigger entity than what we've been led to believe in some traditional teachings. So for me, in the six faces of the goddess, we have the medicine woman. Now, she is the one who is going to embody not only, you know, medicine keeping and medicine wisdom, but she's also going to be that one that also embodies what the dark goddess might, the tough love. You know, she's going to remind you that you are not taking the best care of yourself, that you should be taking your medicine, right? (laughs) (laughs) So... Um, she's a wise woman. She does have crone energy. So this is where we can see that the energy will um, kind of bleed into other aspects. Um, she will see in you what is below the surface. So if you're working with this type of medicine energy, goddess energy, she's going to dig deep. So she's like the root keeper. And she is going to go beneath the surface and tend your roots and teach you how to tend your roots. And that's the most important part of the plant in many cases are the roots, right? So if we metaphorically think of ourselves as plants growing and thriving, we want our roots to be healthy. That means the soil around us has to be healthy. The nutrients we take in have to be healthy. We are getting proper uh, hydration and sunlight and outdoor time, breezes, rain, that sort of thing. And the medicine woman can sense energies, feelings, intuitions beneath the surface in that area. So she's not just looking at your aura that's outside your body. She's looking within to determine your illness. Where's your weakness? Where are you not caring for yourself? Um, She can clearly understand and sense the whole energy and embody the rhythms of natural law, a natural cycle. She is the cycle of life. Beyond logic and linear knowing, that's where her ideology and her function is. She's not, she's going to be kind of like the crazy woman ideology. So if you study any kind of shamanism or if you practice any shamanism, you know crazy logic where it just seems completely bonkers. <laughs> but when you follow it, it leads you to the, the healing you need. It leads you to the answers you need. She is the oracle. Um She addresses issues where there's imbalance, where you're out of rhythm, where you're disconnected, where you're not connected to the earth, your guides, even yourself, even your own energy field. And of course, she is the healer. Um, She deals directly with female ailments. So ailments around the female reproductive system, hormone system, our unique biological makeup. She will deal mainly with plant medicine. Um, probably even 
crystal medicine or uh, minerals, that sort of thing, but mostly plant medicine and plants. So she's going to be like the plant keeper, the root tender. And she will overlap with many other goddess aspects, including the great mother, which I'll talk about next. Her activities and rituals will be of substance. So think earth goddess. Like this is an earthly goddess. This is a goddess that's going to deal with the physical and the energies that are related to the physical. So, you know, her rituals could be uh, giving offerings of food, of roots, of growing things, tending gardens, taking walks in nature, that sort of thing. And she will help you open up the door to your esoteric gifts, to your spiritual gifts. She is the witch and the soul retriever. So if you're working with soul work, which Elise and I were just talking about that, <laughs> you'll want to <laughs> tap into this goddess energy, but not, you know, exclusively. Like she, like I said, she will overlap with other ones. So the great mother is next. Now, the great mother is not your personal mother. She is not your mommy. <laughs> she is not the one that is going to say, oh, you skinned your knee. Now, now it's okay. Um, <clears throat> she is unconditional love. Um, but do think, you know, you can think of her as like Mother Mary, uh, Gaia, and, uh, you know, some other aspects of goddesses that are more nurturing. So she's going to give you the, the softer lessons where maybe the medicine woman and the crone and the dark goddess might give you the harder lessons. So she's going to be more patient with you. So if you are trying to learn a hard life lesson, but you're having trouble with it, um, this might be the goddess you go to first. But if you still are not getting anywhere, you want to seek the more um, – I don't want to say venomous, but snake energy is coming to my mind. Like I'm channeling snake energy when I think of that. Like you want the more aggressive energy, like even badger yeah. energy. Like you want that more aggressive energy. Um, the great mother can help you release patterns that you've absorbed deeply into your conditioning, into your society, your 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 relationship with society, your mannerisms, your personality. She is going to heal that mother wound that you might have from maybe bad relationship with your mother, grandmother, uh, maybe ancestral lines. She is going to be the 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 she's going to be the mother line that helps you heal those ancestral wounds. I always think of her like imagery as being rose or gold, golden light. Um, she's deeply grounding. She gives you a sense of belonging. And her rituals will be of self-care. You needing to take care of you, you taking care of the earth, nurturing, nurturing, nurturing. Uh, she can help with um, soul rebirth or soul retrieval. So if you're missing a piece of yourself and you're trying to find it, maybe soul retrieval is the work you're doing. You want to help, get help from the great mother. She is fertile wisdom. So her wisdom is going to help you create. That could mean even a baby. So if you don't want a baby, be careful because <laughs> she's the creatrix <laughs> and be very specific about what you're trying to manifest. <laughs> but she's very fertile. She's, you know, abundance, that sort of thing. So the next face that I work with is the mystic. Now, she is high voltage energy. This one is going to take you to other dimensions and she'll probably drop you off there type of thing. You have to find your way back. 
Ever okay, so like it's weird because it reminds me of Doctor Strange when the Ancient One took Doctor Strange and dropped him off of um what was it um Mount Everest and just left him there <laughs> and he had to find his way back or he'd freeze to death. This is the kind of energy that I think the mystic to me she gives off. She is that open channel, just pouring energy through her body. And through her interaction with you. So if you embody the mystic, like the the sensations of tingling and goosebumps on your skin, this is the energy pouring through you. Um, her wisdom is her wisdom is indescribable. So it's something that words words cannot capture. You can't capture the essence of who she is and what she does in words. Uh Emotions might better express who she is and what she does. And she feels to me when she comes through as a flood of grace, just the flood of like open channel knowing and like you get that blip of everything just makes sense all at once. And you realize none of it matters. (laughs) Everything we're doing here and now, none of it fucking matters. (laughs) Those deep level epiphanies, yes. those, those those epiphanies that stick that, with you. Oh my god! And they last like like two seconds, but they stay with you. But yeah. the the instance of it, like you're whoa, that was gone. What was that? Yeah, mm-hmm. that's her energy. Uh, and her open channel is to serve and to love. She's the high priestess, and that is what you need to embody when you start working with this energy. You need to embody the high priestess. And this, okay, so let me be very clear. Because I've I've been walking a journey where I'm struggling to embody the high priestess energy because in my experience, I have been burned badly by really bad priestesses. They were egoic. They were seeking only to gratify their own needs. They didn't really care about the people they were supposed to be leading and nurturing. It was all about their own shit show. And what they could get out of it. When they bled you dry, they cast you aside type thing. So my issue with stepping into this this mystic and this high priestess role has been that I don't want to be that. I don't want to yeah. be that person. I don't want to become that. And to embody this mystic energy, you have to step into that leadership role, but you have to let that go. You have to let that fear go. You have to let the ego go. You're not there for your Mm -hmm. own purposes. You're there to serve. So this is a really kind of a a difficult situation for people who come into working with the different phases of the goddess that they're not ready to let go of certain things. And our ego, you know, it's it's important to us as humans. It helps keep us safe. It helps us determine certain things. It helps us be confident. But when we are imbalanced and we try to step into this role, it's going to be toxic. So that's something to be careful of. Uh, The mystic is a blend of the great mother and the medicine woman. So she's kind of, you know, here again, we see those aspects kind of bleeding into each other. She will demand soul alignment. So this means balancing the chakras, it means balancing your your portals, your gates, your mind, your shadow work, balancing it all. She needs to work with this energy. She's going to expect that you do your personal work, that you work on you, that you are not coming to her and asking favors of her or demanding things of her for selfish reasons and for to stroke your own ego. Um. Her expression is soul. 
It is soul energy. Think of, I don't know if anybody's ever heard of the stellar gateway, the 12th chakra, but when that one's open, if you're not in a, the right place, like it can literally drive you crazy because it is pure soul energy. This is this gateway. I mm. could imagine that this is her doorway. When you find the key and you unlock that doorway, she's going to pour down on you this golden light that will be completely soulful. And again, going back to that epiphany, like everything will make sense and none of it will matter. Nothing we do in this physical plane <laughs> will matter. And she will show yeah. you soul's truth. She will show you the truth of the entire universe and our purpose and where you come from and why you're here. So the next face of the goddess is the warrior. And I love this one because I love how this breaks her down even further, but it doesn't dichotomize her because all of these faces can mesh and merge with each other. So the warrior is the one who stands in truth. She stands with strength. She is speaking to you about your truth. So where the mystic is going to expect you to own your truth and to resolve anything that's blocking you from your truth, the warrior goddess is going to show you your truth. And she is going yeah. to expect you to defend your truth. She's going to expect you to ward your truth. And she's going to expect you to stand in your truth without apology. So if you've made compromises for other people that compromise your truth, that compromise your values and your morals, this goddess is going to call you out on it. She is strength. She is courage. She's grounding. She is personal expression. She's resilience and she is solid. So think of like the think of a woman like close your eyes right now and think of a woman that you have come across who not necessarily physical strength, but she is emotional strength. She's spiritual strength. She is the woman that you like, wow. When she walks in the room, you're like, I want to be her when I grow up, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so the warrior goddess, she allows you to penetrate into the messages of courage. She allows those messages of courage to embody within you. She is self-esteem. She is soul stamina. She is the opinion that others cannot sway or the conviction within you that others cannot sway. She is sovereignty, integrity, and she creates those strong boundaries. So we've talked a lot about boundaries before. She creates and helps you hold those strong boundaries against those who would just decimate them and walk all over you. Yeah. And her her rituals, I think, rely go around like maybe dance around personal expression, self-expression, expression that you don't apologize for. You will not apologize for. Okay, so the next one is the lover or the queen. Now, sometimes I separate these out into two completely different aspects, but I can see how some people mesh them together and it makes sense. Um so let's let's talk about the lover aspect. So this is receptive energy. Don't think about impregnation necessarily, but this is the feminine energy that where you can live in the moment. You can take it in and not judge it. You you have no judgments for the experience. You have no judgments for the the fullness of the experience. You know, you can look at somebody across the street that's acting totally wonky and not judge them for it. Just let them be them. 
type of thing. You can look at somebody who is transgender and let them be them. You can look at somebody who is wearing a funny hat and let them wear the funny hat without judgment, without ridicule, that receptive energy. She wants you to experience the fullness of life. She wants you to take in light and consciousness. This is a place of trust, a place of being open to potential, to possibility, to emotion, to the um, brokenness of others, the brokenness of yourself, and be receptive to the healing to that. So you can see how these goddesses kind of play on each other, how they all kind of link up yeah. to each other. And she will ask you to not shut down, to not cut yourself off. And she will ask you to find pleasure, find yeah. joy, and receive that. This could be sacred union. It could be sex. It could be food. It could be riding roller coasters. You know, going back to the whole maiden aspect that you were talking about, Elise. You know, oh, I'm, you know, a crone. I can't have fun anymore. Bullshit. <laughs> the lover mm -hmm. queen goddess says otherwise. <laughs> um, definitely left letting go of repression. Um, finding that foundation of vitality, not just in youth, but in everyday experiences. Where's your vitality? Where are you letting your vitality be siphoned off? Where are you letting your vitality go to other people? How do you reclaim that? Um, she's magnetic energy. She's also the energy that expects you to find the right relationships for yourself, for your mm. goals, for your life so that you can continue to live in balance. And this is, these are relationships without manipulation. They're just open and magnetic. They're not, they're, they're not, they're not um, narcissistic. They're not uh, transactional. They're not these relationships where you have to fear that, you know, oh, if I say the wrong thing, I'm going to get a dirty look or something like that. These are balanced relationships. Uh, it's also about intimacy. She talks about, you know, she she embodies our ability to surrender so we can receive. Um, she's about shifting sensations into love, physical, emotional, spiritual love. She moves us past shame. So she she's the one that will take our hand, look us in the eye and say, so what? You didn't, you're, you, yeah. it's in the past. Let it go. It's not shameful anymore. Move on. She's creative. She does work with that sacred union. So again, going back to sexual unions, but more than that, Be, think bigger than that. She, her energy is movement. So dance would be a great way to honor her. Um, walking, uh, walking a labyrinth. Oh, that would be one of the best ways mm -hmm. I think to honor her is find a labyrinth and walk that. And to to give as well as learn to receive. And I know this is a tough one for a lot of us. Like we can give, 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 give all day long. But when it's time for us to receive, we shut down and we close yeah. off. She's reminding you not to do that. Okay, so let's look at the dark goddess next. She can be scary for some people because she's the one that's going to call you out on your bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> but if you think about it, a lot of people follow dark, quote unquote, dark goddesses like Hikate and um, I'm blanking out. Um, <laughs> Kali. Kali, yes. 
<laughs> yeah. So a lot even of- in Nana, I was yeah. shocked so many people find Lilith. her to be like a, a dark goddess. Yeah. yeah. Like yeah, even Lilith, Lilith is one. making a huge comeback and people think of her as a as a dark goddess, which um I think most of these goddesses were made into the quote unquote dark goddesses, but I think yeah. for, for this reason, because they will call you out on your bullshit. They will mm-hmm. they're very sharp in precision. And they will remove those obstacles preventing you from being authentic. But you have to want that. So if you don't want your authenticity, which is a, is a common problem for a lot of practitioners, we think we want this freedom, the sovereignty. We want to be authentic. But when it comes down to it, it scares us because we've been told our entire yeah. life that, oh, you can't be this free roaming wild child because that's unacceptable, right? How dare you show your midsection? How dare you show, show a shoulder or dance in public or sing out loud, right? So she's the goddess that's, you know, she's not going to go with that status quo. She's not going to go with the flow in that aspect. She works with the shadow, shadow work. She works with the underworld. She works with the unconscious. But she is the golden shadow, and that is her gift, she is the golden shadow, meaning we mine the things from our shadow that serve us now. Even though we developed these coping mechanisms or these lessons or these skills while in while playing the role in the shadow, they become a strength that we can now utilize. So she helps us mine those. She helps us pull those gifts out and utilize them. So she will show us our strengths, she will show us our talents, and she will show us, again, what is lying beneath the surface. So she plays in with the mystic and helps, you know, their energy flows together. Now, here's where her no bullshit comes in. She is ruthless. She will cut you to the core to show you the truth of what is happening and what you need to do to resolve it. And if you're not ready for that, it will seem like an attack. If you're not ready for that, it'll seem like a curse. It'll seem like whatever victimhood that you are still playing Mm -hmm. a role in, it'll activate that. So when you're working with a dark goddess, be prepared for that. Be prepared for her to call you out on your bullshit and to demand that you stop it. (laughs) 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 And so this, this discomfort, though, will be your liberation. So this discomfort that she expresses or that she ignites within you that triggers will be if you if you stick with it, if you follow through with it, follow through with your shadow work, your personal development, your journal prompts, your meditations, your your personal deep inner work. If you continue with the discomfort that comes along with that, you'll find you'll you're you end up in a place of liberation. And. Of course, she embodies many archetypes. She can be the warrior. She can be the lover. She can be the queen, the the mother, the great mother, the mystic. Like I said, they're not exclusive to one another. You can think of her as, you know, the black Madonna, Medusa, Kali, Sedna. Um, and she rises from your core. So she's there always. But she's in your core. She's in those dark places that you are afraid to go to because you're afraid of what you might find or you you might find that's you know, something there that that was too painful to address is locked there. That's she said. She's sitting there waiting for you, and she will help put you on your soul's path. Um, she's the one who enforces soul contracts. So the contracts you made before you incarnated here, she's the one that helps enforce those contracts. So again, she's going along with you're doing the wrong thing. 
you're supposed to be doing this over here. Why aren't you doing that? <laughs> and, you know, she will show you the path that you're meant to take. So um, she's she's not looking for you to accept her. She's looking for you to accept yourself, if that makes sense. And yeah. in, the, in the community, I do have some meditations that are related to the dark goddess and, you know, her path. And then um, I'm developing new ones. But yeah, so those those are the six phases that I work with. Um, sometimes they're eight. It depends on, you know, how precisioned I want to be in the energy I'm working with. Yeah, that's really interesting. As you were talking about, you know, the labels are a little bit different, but there's a lot of these aspects in the way various goddesses have come to me. So I don't think I've really shared this before, but I've checked in and it doesn't seem to be a problem <laughs> with with my relationships. But I've been working with Inanna since 2013. And my first ever interaction was as her coming to me as the dark goddess. I wouldn't have called her that. And when I think of the dark goddess, I think of Lilith, you know, or or Kali or these ones that people really are like, oh, you shouldn't work with them. Like, they're, be careful. Oh, you know, like you hear a lot of that, especially in back then. I think now we've we've really changed the conversation. We've seen the conversation has changed, but. Um, and, and she came to me with that energy of like, you've got to get this done. And I love that you said it comes from your core because I always kind of equate these faces to the chakras that we have. Like our kundalini energy that's going up through our bodies is, is partitioned the way it is because these are different aspects of, of the self, like wow. capital S self, like we each are a self, but we also engage with other selves when we're talking to other people or when we're speaking with deities or we're understanding elementals or we're communicating with our spirit guides. And the solar plexus was the first chakra that I healed, which I think that might be unconventional. I really don't know. But like that inner self-confidence, that deep knowing of who I am, that came to me through Inanna and her lessons as the dark goddess. But now our relationship yeah. has shifted and molded and changed so many ways. She really has come to me in all of these faces over that decade of relationship that we've had. And, you know, I, I won't share specific, you know, private things, but I mean, really, it's been <clears throat> it's a relationship. It's it's like when you have a, a deep, mm -hmm. long standing friendship with somebody, how you you might have known them for five years, but then all of a sudden you're doing something together and you see the side of them you didn't know was there and it makes it an even deeper relationship. Absolutely. And that's what too. happens when when a goddess connects with you and you start to build that relationship and build that connection. And I'm really excited to get into how to do that, how to keep developing that in, in, our, in our next episode, actually two episodes from now. Um, but... Yeah, these faces are ever-changing. Like you said, they always flow into each other. And I'm excited. I, please email us at magickitchenpodcast at gmail.com if you have other names for these faces. Because this is something I love the most about traveling to different spiritual places around the world is learning these different aspects that people use. Because it's always the same, but it's so different. Mm -hmm. So I love understanding where that comes from and then finding those commonalities.
Hey, it's Leandra here. I'd like to invite you to join me as we rediscover the divine feminine as I kick off my workshop series, beginning with the Primordial Goddess. This virtual workshop series will begin December 13th at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And within this workshop series, we will learn to break down feminine stereotypes as we learn to embody the power of goddess archetypes into our daily lives. You can get more information about each workshop through my website leandrawitchwood.com or by clicking the link in the show notes. Space is limited, so reserve your seats while you can. I look forward to seeing you in the workshops. When we think of goddess, we each have our own imagery that comes to mind, our own person or figure or image or feeling that accompanies that. But what we can really learn from delving into these faces is that linear thinking, this idea of this, then that, then this, then that, this idea that moving forward is always progress can start to be stripped away and we can start to, one, forgive past issues and two, reframe our future to be anything we want it to be. This understanding of the many faces of the goddess is is at the core an understanding of what potential even is. There's something more palatable about studying multifaceted potentials yes. in, in a deity, right? Like we already assume that a goddess is going to be the all-powerful force that we cannot be. So that's something that we can respect right away. It's something that we can feel awe about right away. And awe is not just, wow, cool. It's also, holy shit. <laughs> and that's that's exactly it. Like those are the multifaceted experiences that keep us coming back. That's why we're so fascinated by the goddess. That's why a lot of us are called right to this path. It's this goddess energy. It's this understanding of, whoa, female is powerful. The feminine is pure divinity. At its core, it is the most divine expression of creation and destruction, which always go hand in hand. And when we start studying that and we start building a relationship with that, and then we start noticing it and seeing it manifest in our world and in ourselves, it's our way out. Whatever that thing is that you are unbalanced because of, right? This could be a past yeah. trauma. This could be several past traumas. This could be decisions you made that you think have you locked in on a specific path that your way forward is only this one thing because of this decision you made. It might be a belief about yourself, a story you tell yourself that is unwritable, unrewritable in your mind. But these expressions of the goddess show us that that is never true. The person that you used to be, the experiences that you used to have, that you did have at one point, do not define you if you do not want them to. Ever. No matter who you are, you can work with the goddess and have a completely different relationship than me or Leandra or your teacher or your friend. It's going to always be different. It's never going to be the same. Even this is the same for people. Like even if I introduce you to my husband, you might have a totally different perspective of him than I do. In fact, you definitely will because you won't be in love with him. <laughs> like there's, there's so much to relationship. It's so different. And when we frame our understanding of the goddess in these different ways, it helps us break down our relationship with ourselves 
and understand how much we can reframe, which is everything. Like it's both really complex and really simple at the same time. Like we literally can do anything. Like Leandra was saying, like nothing matters. Like you have these epiphanies as you go through these relationships and these understandings of these faces. And you're like, oh crap. Yeah, no, it doesn't matter what so-and-so thinks of this post I'm about to make or this reel that I'm going to share or this place that I'm going to go to or this friend that I'm hanging out with now. Like it, it nothing mm. matters except your relationship with yourself and what you do with the relationships that you have. Yeah. yeah and the lessons you're learning in this lifetime, that's the whole point of our soul contracts yeah. is to come and learn something so we can take it on to wherever we go after this. <laughs> yeah. So I just wanted to leave you with some, some reframings that you can take with you. So if we break down the dualities, right? This linear thinking, this black or white. And then mm-hmm. we look at some triple deity cycles instead. So here's just some examples. And I encourage you to try this on your own with your own binaries, your own beliefs. You know, you can try this with, with self-image beliefs or um, stories of your past that you can you can delineate. You can make this much more personal. So instead of love or loneliness, right? Being loved or being alone. Change that to loving others, receiving love, and being loveless, decidedly, without a relationship, independence. Mm, I like that. Instead of male or female, consider woman, non-binary, and male. Because within each of us is both. It's a yin and yang thing. So that middle ground, consider how that's showing up in your life. Maybe literally for you, maybe around you, maybe just societally. Look look at those traits and decide, you know, what have I been rejecting because I am woman? What have I been rejecting because I am man? See where you can take from both sides. Instead of good or evil, this one's a good one, black, gray, white. There's that gray area. And Mm -hmm. as witches, that's pretty much where we live. Mm-hmm. It's good to embrace that. Yeah. Instead of thought or action, remember that there's body, mind, and spirit. We can work through something intellectually. We can do something physically with our body and our time. And we can also commune with spirit on that thing. That is still an active, changing process to do so. Absolutely. And instead of simply saying yes or no to action, choosing inaction versus action, suspicion, observance, and intuition. So acknowledging that energy compass, I I talk about it all the time. I talk about it in my courses, talk Mm -hmm. about it in my community, talk about it with my clients. Your energy compass is your union of intuition on a very deep level, and it's going to go off when something's up. So noticing that suspicion is sometimes all you actually need to do. You don't actually have to act or decide not to act. You can just keep an eye. You can observe and keep listening to that intuition. Yeah. And the last one is life and death. Instead of life versus death, consider birth, growth, and wisdom. Because death is, Mm. the way we use that word, usually means end. And that is not where we're headed. Not. We're here for the lessons that's what we're headed to wisdom mary meet mary part 
and Mary meet again. Thank you for joining us on the Magic Kitchen podcast. Please visit my website, leandrawitchwood.com, for news, information, and more episodes. I'm Elise Wells, and I can be found at Seeking Numina on YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook, and SeekingNumina.com. That's Seeking, N-U-M-I-N-A.